It's Thursday, May 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me from the great white north, the one and only Jim Gillies. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be seen, Chris. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of nice. Uh, it's less white, more sunny today. So that's, uh, that's a pleasant change. We had snow last weekend. Did you really? We really did. Yeah, my, my my kids learned a few words from their stepmom that I don't. I'm not well. Let's face it; they probably knew it beforehand. But uh, she got up first, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> there was that. She's like, this "Well, is you know what? I'm 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 glad the the sun is melting the snow." Yeah. Uh, we, we've got some stock offerings we're going to talk about. We've, we've got more news on the working from home front. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. One programming note for the dozens of listeners out there, a reminder that Monday is Memorial Day, so there will not be an episode of Market Foolery next Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday, so hope everyone, to the extent that you can enjoy a day off in this pandemic, hope everyone gets a little time off on Memorial Day. Let's start with shares of Boeing that are up 7% this morning. Boeing got an upgrade from one Wall Street firm, uh, RBC Capital Markets, says that Boeing's defense business is undervalued. You agree? Um, I think I, I don't think I agree. Actually, I have the RBC report here. That would be, of course, Royal Bank of Canada. Uh, so I'm disagreeing with my countrymen on this particular front. Um, but I understand the imperative. Uh, I think everybody is really looking for, I mean, everyone's looking for a way to play the rebound of, of airlines, of, of airspace, uh, of travel. And I think that's at, at its base where, where the Boeing uh, upgrade comes from. And everyone wants to, you know, we, will all, we all want to, to call bottoms or as close to bottoms as possible. Um, and... So I've got this report. I, I had a glance through it, and I'm I'm underwhelmed by it, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it is first of all, it's it's price target. It's outperform price target is 164 dollars, or about 15 percent above where we are. But they also, of course, provide, as these reports often do, they provide you know a a, a, a knock the home run out of the park forecast. They also have a downside scenario. The downside scenario is about 40 percent from here. So, you know, in their, in their main cause for upgrade, it's a 15% upside. And in their things continue to go off the rails or, or, or slag out a little bit, it's down 40%. That kind of risk reward, I'm not really thrilled about. The, the downside you know, target is $87, which 140 today is not great. Um, then the, the other issues that they present there, because of course, Boeing, Boeing today is, uh, they, they've suspended their dividend. They, they, they've taken out their stock buyback plan, both of which had to happen to preserve cash. They've borrowed at least $25 billion, some of it going out 30 and 40 years, I believe, uh, at reasonable rates. But still, it's a much more levered company. And one of the key points from this report is that the forecast, they actually flat out say, our forecast is predicated on the 737 MAX recertification in the third quarter of 2020. Well, the third quarter starts in six weeks. And okay, you might get a recertification. I, I've been someone for a while who has said, uh, you have a branding problem, Boeing. You have a branding problem with the 737 MAX. Because the current brand equity, uh, I, from like the one marketing course I did in business school, right? It was always, you know, your brand is associated with everything positive and everything negative that people, you know, mentally, uh, you know, put together. 
when you hear 737 Max, I'm th I'm going to I'm going to infer that most people think unsafe and plane crashes. So, okay, fine. Let's say you recertify it. Are are you stepping on a 737 Max anytime soon, Chris? They they need to rename this plane, do they not? They absolutely need to rename this plane, and they absolutely have some work to do on the reputation front. And yes. it can be, you know, it, it, you know, I've heard ideas like the CEO of Boeing should literally fly around the world on a 737 Max, and they should turn that into a marketing video. And that's... That's not a terrible idea, but you're absolutely right. It's not right. a terrible idea. But I mean, like, look, we, we are living through a time of what I will say, uh, I'll call it elevated fear. I think that's fair. You know, we, you know, uh, we are being snapped at in grocery stores by people who are five foot 11 inches away because they're not six foot social distancing away. Uh, we are seeing uh, instances of people um, trying to be nice shaming other people for their wearing of masks or lack thereof for allowing their children to congregate in places or perhaps not um and, and this is over a virus that while serious um is it, it it's a serious virus and people have died and more people will die but you know we've shut down large swaths of the economy over it and uh, there is a large, very large movement that seems to have migrated to, we flattened the curve to save the healthcare system, so you know, yada, yada. But now that seems to be morphing a little bit into, well, you know, when the vaccine is out, then the world can really recover. And all of that is preamble, and probably poorly stated preamble, all of that is preamble to say, okay, fine, let's say Boeing, again, has a 737 MAX, recertified next quarter. People's inherent fear, I think, will prevent them from like, you know, if I see, if I want to go from Toronto to Washington, say, to come to our closed office, um, you know, if I have a choice between a 737 MAX and an Airbus equivalent or what have you, I'm, I'm probably going to go with the Airbus equivalent, uh, you know, just because, yeah, you know, I don't like the, the and, and recognizing that that's probably an irrational fear, but still... It is a fear that I think looms a bit large. So I, I, I think just because they're recertified, uh, this is not a guarantee of any kind of, of, uh, of uptick from uh, the customers, from uh, acceptance by, uh, by people looking to fly. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not really I, – I think there's a lot more work to do. Now that said, Boeing, one-third of their business is a defense business. That's going nowhere. If anywhere, it's going up. Because, you know, the uh, states awarding defense business, this will be a sign of we are preserving jobs, um, you know, and, and that's a good thing. And so, you know, they, they have that really good um, bedrock of one third of their business. And of course, they are more than just the 737 MAX. But I think there's a lot of work to do. I don't like the risk reward um, uh, trade off, as I said. And I, I just... You know what? This this seems to me a very this is a weak sauce outperform in my book. Several stocks, including uh, Ruth's Hospitality Group and Keurig Dr Pepper, are falling today after announcing secondary stock offerings. Is is this the time for secondary stock offerings? Particularly for I'm sorry, 
I'm not trying to be mean, but Ruth's Hospitality Group. I mean, this is a restaurant business. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's is a high-end t- restaurant business too, right? So, yeah, like I mean, like, you're like you are. I, it's a steakhouse, so you are more inclined, or at least I am more inclined. I don't want to impose my my eating habits on other people. I'm more inclined to view a steakhouse visit as a as as more of a, an occasion, maybe a celebration. Take my father there for his for his birthday, or my mother there for Mother's Day. Um, you know, whereas I can go by, you know, any number of casual restaurant chains any day of the week if I don't feel like cooking. Um, so no, the time, the time to have raised money, of course, Chris was, was November, but, uh, you know, their crystal ball probably works as well as yours or mine. So, um, you know, but this is a stock I'll, I'll pick on Ruth's, but it's more, it's more the overall, um, this phenomenon of secondary offerings. And look, um, I think overall this is healthy for the state of the crisis, even though I think this is pretty damning for some of these companies. And, and so what, what I mean by that is if, if you look back to the 0809 crisis, the global financial crisis, the companies that survived, a lot of them raised capital after they'd already fallen by 50, 60, 70%. And then Ruth, Ruth's hospitality group, uh, their case, they, they are down about two thirds from their high, which was uh, hit uh, just before Christmas. So uh, late November, I think. Um, so they're already down by two thirds. So boy, it would have been nice to have diluted people back then for one, you know, get the same amount of money for one third the, uh, one third the dilution. Um, I think in Ruth's case, they are paying off some short-term financing, uh, probably because the provider of that short-term financing said, yeah, this is not going to turn into long-term financing. So we kind of got you over a barrel. Uh, I believe Morgan, it's a, it's a one-year, less-a-day credit facility provided by Morgan Stanley that they need to clear. And they said, okay, we'll sell some shares because that's permanent equity. Um, so it's not great for Ruth's. Uh, you know, it's not great for any of them, but it's not great for Ruth's in particular. But again, if you look back, I, I look back to the 0809 time and kind of, you know, the worst of it was maybe, you know, say the span from September of 08 to, which is when Lehman went down, got really bad in November, got really bad in January. And then, of course, you know, the, the bottom is March. Uh, but in the January to March corridors, when you started to see these companies, um, the companies that survived, uh, start shoring up balance sheet uh, balance sheets with with equity offerings. Uh, that was a good thing. A lot of these companies survived. A lot of these companies who did so became multi-baggers from there. Um, this may or may not be any of the fate of the the four you mentioned uh, who have been selling equity today. Um, but uh, you know, so for the survivors, sometimes you have to do this. It makes you it makes you stronger in the long term. But boy, you know, I'd go back to uh, Shopify about two weeks ago, did their latest follow on equity offering. Shopify, one of the largest companies, uh, in, certainly in Canada, gaining lots of uh, credibility in the States and is a company that fools are generally excited about. Um, they've been raising capital all the way up and it's kind of the old, the old saw is the best time to raise capital is when you don't need it. Uh, Ruth's needs it, Shopify doesn't, and that's why those stocks have done what they've done in diverging. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mentioned Ruth's and Curry Dr. Pepper, Flexion yeah. Therapeutics, yeah, Boston Scientific it. also uh, dropping today on, on this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, on a certain level, 
there are any number of ways for companies to get cash, and they got to make their choices on how to how to do it. But um, it's certainly not boding well for these stocks today. Let's move on to Mastercard, which became the latest big company to say that employees can work from home, basically until they want. Um, Mastercard's also reevaluating its office footprint, thinking about consolidating mm-hmm. space. This is. This is one more large company that is coming out and saying publicly, it's going to be a rough few years for commercial real estate. Yeah, there, there is a lot to unpack in this simple little uh, announcement, I think. You've already hit on, um, okay, so when the big titans start to say, we're, we're going to reassess, we're going to consolidate, we're going to reassess uh, you know, all of our offices and all of our real estate spot. Yeah, if you're in the commercial real estate business, particularly if you own REITs for commercial real estate, um, this, this is a lot of uncertainty that you did not anticipate and probably don't, uh, probably don't want to participate in. Um, it, it's, and, and look, there, there is no, uh, uh, there is no way for us to really forecast this. I mean, it, 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 not with any sort of precision. Uh, so what, uh, because, you know, if, if MasterCard and, and others of their ilk uh, start uh, dropping out of the of commercial or scaling back their commercial, what, what does that, um, you know, what, what does that necessarily mean for, uh, for prices for commercial real estate in, in other areas? So, you know, if I'm a company that ha- is not going to change, for example, um, am I, you know, now going to my landlord and saying, well, you know what, you got a lot of empty space here and we didn't abandon you. Uh, boy, we think our rent's about 20% too high. Don't you agree, Mr. Mr. Commercial REIT? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm wondering if that could be one of the knock-on effects here. And I always love, you know, what are, what are knock-on effects of decisions? Um, and so that's one I, I would be a little worried about in the commercial real estate space, or perhaps more than a little worried about. The other thing that, I, that, that struck me from this story was that this wasn't, uh, this wasn't a, uh, a play from, you know, the way that it was phrased was for people who have fear of, of COVID-19. You can work from home until you no longer have that fear. So whether that's, uh, and fear, fear sometimes is rational, quite often is not. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, an, an irrational fear perhaps of mine, the, you know, I, am I going to fly in a 737 MAX? Um, people who are uh, scared of catching COVID-19, MasterCard says, stay home as long as you want. This, I think, is, is a bit of a shift. And it, again, it supports my earlier, we're kind of living through a time of fear, but it supports a bit of a shift that we're now letting uh, emotion um, rather than perhaps uh, a more scientific uh, approach uh, inform our policy. And, and that is, uh, at least at one company, and, and that is, um, that's interesting to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's a good development. Um, even as someone, you know, who I, I appreciate working from home, I'm, I'm kind of in a weird spot where I've done it for 15 plus years. So, um, I'm very used to it and wouldn't know what to do in an office, frankly. But, um, you know, I, 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 I look at it and think there is absolutely ramifications for commercial real estate. Uh, there are, there are ramifications for a worker productivity as well. 
um, because I've done this for 15 years, I think I'm pretty decently productive. And I've been told by external, I, I have external validation for that. I, I'm, I'm pretty productive. Um, but I can tell you that people who I know who have been forced to work out of their homes, uh, I may live with one of them, um, do, do not like this setup. Um, they don't have a proper office setup like I have. And, and, you know, there's a lot of distractions with kids running around or other things going on. And you're distracted by, oh, I can do this thing in the backyard or I can do, you know, this household task, which I would not normally do till maybe the weekend. I'll do it now. And, and so I, I wonder how pro productive some people uh, are going to be in this environment. And then I also wonder about the, the potential for, uh, for abuse for some of these companies. So, oh, yep, I'm too scared to come in, COVID. Uh, I'm going to stay at home for the next year uh, and, uh, you know, mix that with a lack of productivity. You know, there's, there's, al there's always the, uh, all companies have what we'll call the free rider problem. Uh, and, and I wonder if that will be exacerbated a little bit. And like I said, there's a lot to unpack, I think, in, in just a very simple announcement from MasterCard. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Mike in Ohio. Do we need to be worried about the news of Chinese ADRs being delisted by NASDAQ? Luck and Coffee, and he adds parenthetically, yes, I still own it for some reason, recently was, and now I'm reading Baidu might be delisted as well. What does this mean for US holders of these stocks? Thanks, and stay safe. Uh, you stay safe as well, Mike, uh, and everybody out there. Uh, great question, and uh, great yeah, question. <laughs> Luck great and Coffee. Uh, having a rough day yesterday, um, our, our, I think our friend Bill Not Mann. Not better today. <laughs> yeah. Um, were, were you the one, or was it Bill Mann who described what happened with uh, uh, the trading of luck in stock yesterday as being violent? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's, a, that's a Bill Mannism, absolutely. Yeah. But, it's, but it's a good one. But, yeah. um, but to, to Mike's question, I mean, what, how concerned should people be about this? So, so you'll know, and you know. Thank you for not embarrassing me, but I'm going to embarrass myself now, Chris, just because that's fun. Um, you'll know that my initial spit take to this was, ah, it's a nothing burger, um, you know. And and then I did some reading and informed myself a little bit more, and I'm like, well, maybe it's not. An, maybe it still is a nothing burger, ah, but maybe it's not. And if it's not, depending on how events subsequently flow. It could be, it could range from slightly worse than a nothing burger to, uh, it could be some real economic loss here. And so let me, let me explain the, the, the luck at luck and coffee is, I think, uh, it, it's kind of it, put that over there. Okay. That that's a fraud. Uh, it's an unknown business that people are just, there's all kinds of people who are getting out because fraud, there are uh, probably institutions that are getting out because they're not allowed to hold, um, a company that is delisted and this is the nasdaq this is the nasdaq delisting itself okay and it just happens to be a chinese company put that over there as kind of a special case where you get into things like uh baidu or uh alibaba or jd.com or or these types of uh of chinese companies that might be an issue because there has been uh i mean the, the u.s senate just passed a bill that could delist chinese companies uh, from U.S. stock exchanges, and it's it's an interesting possibility. Now, it would first, of course, have to be approved by Congress. Um, 
I'm, I, I'm not an expert in, in U.S. civics, by the way, so forgive me if I'm if I'm going to miss this. But you know, it has to be po you know it has to be approved by both, and then it would go through the president's desk and be signed or not. And I think in the present environment, it probably will have some difficulty getting through Congress um, and ever ending up on the president's desk. Uh, I also happen to think, even though there is some bi uh, biparty support here, uh, I think. Uh, uh, depending on which party controls the White House after November, um, there is a there's a there's a higher likelihood of, of it passing a presidential stamp uh, with one party versus the other. And I'll avoid the rest of politics for now. Um, the the issue is that, you know, at, at, at base, actually, I agree with the issue. And the issue is that Chinese uh, listed companies don't necessarily have to uh, demonstrate compliance, current, currently demonstrate compliance with uh, U.S. investor protection laws, okay, protector, protector regulations. Uh, regulations that I happen to think, and I'm not a citizen of your country, as you know, uh, but I happen to think your country has the strongest investor protections in the world, your, your markets. Uh, sure, there are holes and there are places I think they could do better, uh, and there are companies that I think that they have not cracked down on that they should. Uh, but I still believe overall yours is uh, the system to emulate, uh, certainly above China and even above my fair countries. Uh, so with that said, I actually think the sentiment behind this is good um, because as an investor, we should want investors to be as informed as possible. Uh, we should want companies to have to be as transparent as possible. And right now, the U.S. listed ADRs of Chinese companies um, – don't necessarily have to do that. So, uh, you know, so I, so I'm, I'm a fan of that where this could get ugly. Okay. So let's, let's say this is, um, let's say this does come to pass and, uh, yep. Nope. No, the U S government, uh, outlaws the listing of, uh, Chinese companies, Chinese ADRs on U S exchanges that do not meet, uh, the, the standard required uh, by regulators. In, in a fairly banal situation, um, they would just go list on a different exchange. So uh, the Toronto Stock Exchange would probably be on the phone about uh, three seconds after this legislation became known, saying, gentlemen, please feel free to, you know, please, please feel free to list on our exchange. And, you know, American citizens have trading privileges on Canadian exchanges. So that that kind of skews to the nothing burger side of side of things. Um, and, and the value of the business in theory should not be changed, whether it depend, it, it should not be, um, impacted depending on where it lists. Uh, the, the bigger issue could be, uh, what happens if, um, what happens if there, cause there's not a few Americans who own shares in these companies, you know, they're, they're, they're I believe the number I saw and I haven't been able to independently verify it, but, um, as of February, it's something like uh, Chinese companies are you know, worth about $1.2 trillion uh, are currently listed on U.S. exchanges. Um, what happens if, uh, if this happens, they get delisted, and so you would usually just go to another exchange. What happens if Chinese regular, regulatory authorities... Um, you know, to say, no, nah, this is an aggressive move by a government that's hostile to our government. So we are not going to accommodate, 
you know, more trading or not, not going to accommodate ADRs back here. Uh, you paid your money and you take your chances. Uh, that's the, that's the, the nuclear winter scenario where Americans have value stranded. Um, but again, how likely is that? So, so this could be, this could range from anything between nothing, no impact, not even a risk because it never comes to pass. It just dies in the Senate to, uh, if China wants to play hardball because they perceive they've been slighted, um, your money in these, in these companies could be stranded for. Uh, an unknown period of time. What's the probability of that? I would have to think it's exceedingly low. Um, but you know, is it a zero? Uh, probably not. So you know, what's now? Look, if you if you own Baidu as part of a diversified portfolio, and it's one percent of your portfolio, I probably wouldn't do anything today. If uh, if you or or tomorrow or ever, um, if you own Alibaba and it's thirty five percent of your portfolio and you're a year and a half from retirement, I'd probably think about paring back a little bit. I think I would too. So so I mean like look, I, my answer is so broad it will be of use to practically no one, but it's what I offer. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to wrap up. There you go. Billies. Always good talking to you, my friend. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We're off on Memorial Day. We will see you on Tuesday. Tuesday.